life has a lot of twists and turns, right? And I'm just thankful that God goes with us wherever we go. And he didn't promise that life would be easy. And he didn't promise that there would be no pain. But he did promise he'd be with us. <laughs> and I think the biggest opportunity is just to get up every morning and take the day, seize the day, and say, Lord, whatever you have for me, I'm ready for it. Right? <clears throat> so on behalf of Janet and I, I just want to say good morning uh, to our church family. I'm excited about this 1115 opportunity that people just like you are going to show up here in a few moments, and we're going to do this all over again. Our church has been through a lot of uh, morphing over the years. For those who don't know, before we got into this building, we were doing three services every Sunday morning, back to back to back. And then we moved into this building, and we had our two opportunities, and then COVID came and blessed us all. And so now we have this huge church that's watching from the other side of a screen and are still not back in church because people have new habits. But I'm so glad those of you who are here uh, have chosen to be in the house of the Lord today. And wherever you're watching from, we welcome you. And we're glad you're here. And so I want to talk this morning from my heart. I have found that it is really hard to deal with offended people. <laughs> and one of the greatest challenges that we face in today's culture is to, tr is to not offend someone. But whenever you get more than one person together where decisions are made and changes are inevitable, someone potentially gets their feelings hurt or doesn't like the way some things are done and they simply get offended. Pastor Nate says it this way, being offended is inevitable, living offended is a choice. Now if you're new today or you're tuning in for the first time, this is our final week of this sermon series we're calling No Offense. And I'm asking you now to not be offended at today's message. <laughs> Let's turn to Psalm 119, 165. David is writing and he says, princes, that's people in authority, princes have persecuted me without a cause. But my heart stands in awe of your word I rejoice at your word as one that finds great spoils. The word spoil doesn't mean like spoiled milk. It's talking about rewards or unexpected provisions. When you would win a war, oftentimes you would receive spoil. You would gain the spoil of your enemy, the goods of your enemy. So he says, I rejoice at your word as one that finds great spoils. I hate and abhor lying. This is David talking. But your law, 
I love. He's talking to God, by the way. He says, your, your law I love. Seven times a day I praise you because of your righteous judgments. And then he gives us a verse. That's my talk today. Great peace have they who love your law. And nothing shall offend them. The word offend in this verse means to cause to stumble. So you could read that last line like this. Great peace have they who love your law and nothing shall cause them to stumble. Everyone said in Jesus' name, you may be seated. Thanks for standing. It is a great challenge to deal with offended people because hurt people hurt people. You've heard that said before, that hurt people hurt people. So as a believer, we have several obligations in this ever-changing environment that we live in. One, to not contribute to the hurt of someone else intentionally. It's our job to do what we can to eliminate hurtful situations. Be careful what you say. Be a protector of your brother and sister. I like to call it loyal in the absent. Protect someone when they're not there. It's easy to protect them when they're hearing you. But be loyal in the absent. Our job is to not contribute to the hurt of somebody else. And yet we're going to do it because we're human. We just shouldn't do that intentionally. And then the second obligation we have is not only to not contribute to the hurt of someone else, but also be mature enough to not get hurt. Now, this is really important, and this is where the weight comes in. I like to say it this way, lighten up, toughen up, and grow up. Okay? Some of us are just way too sensitive. Oh my gosh. It's just, we're just, we got our feelings out in front of everything and everyone. So, so here's what I'm asking. There is a level you can live at in your relationship with God that actually lifts you beyond the place of offense. David said, great peace have they that love your law, nothing shall offend them. He didn't say, great peace have they who love your name. If so, we could just rebuke the offense in the name of Jesus and it would go away. He didn't say, great peace have they who love your word. Later, David's the one who said, your word have I hid in my heart and I won't sin against you. But we're still hurt and we're still offended. These are not what set me free from offense. He said, great peace have they who love your law and nothing shall offend them. We simply have no right to be bitter or angry if we know this one law. Now, I'm not talking about the Ten Commandments. I'm not talking about the law, the Ten Commandments. If that's what would have cured you from your hurt, why are you still hurt today? Some people say, well, I just won't receive what they said. <laughs> well, that sounds good, but if you heard it, you received it. 
It concerns you when you get up in the morning and it's still bothering you in the afternoon. Even years later, some of you in this room, you're still thinking about it and how they, that, that, how you think they, they felt and what someone did to you. Why? Because you're still offended. Instead of listening to the word of God and not getting the problem in the first place. Great peace have they who love your law and nothing shall offend them. He's talking to us. You say, well, what if I've already got it? What if I'm already offended? I'm here to say if you can find the answer to keep you from getting offended, it'll do, uh, it'll do away with the fact that you had it at all because that's, that's now in your past and you're living in your presence. Offense is like a fire. It'll die if you stop feeding it. If you don't throw another log on it, it'll burn out. But whatever was burning back there is still burning now in your heart because you kept fueling it with your thoughts and anger and disappointment and broken dreams. Some of you could be more of a success than you are, but you're not. And you're sitting in church frustrated. And quite frankly, if you don't heal from being offended, you're potentially going to cause trouble. Y'all okay? I'm not offended talking to you. I'm just having a father talk. You simply have no right to be angry. But still, you exert your spirit of hurt by a spirit of control. People do this in their marriage. You do this at work. You do this with friends. When people are offended and they are hurt, it spills over. It spills over by questioning everything everybody does, especially authority. We want to use you, but we can't. They want to promote you, but they're afraid to. You're a talented person, but we can't afford you to put you on a team or give you that next position at work because you're offended. And if we do, you may create problems that are hard to deal with and everybody else gets offended. So the fact that we don't use you or you don't get the position or the job or your marriage is not working out makes you madder. And if we do use you, you're already mad. Some of you are trying to decide right now if you're going to be offended by what I'm saying today. <laughs> like, I, I, I want to be offended, but he told me if I love his law... Nothing will offend me, so, so now what do I do? Offended people contaminate good minds. Offended people contaminate good minds. <laughs> they were already offended and hurt before you met them, but you get to deal with their offenses. Some years ago, I did a message, and I called it transferred defilement just because a car salesman did you wrong or a business person did you wrong or a spouse did you wrong then you're mad at everyone well not everybody's like that 
We get offended at one person, and then we let's just use a pastor as an example. So I'll just talk about you get offended at a pastor, or you get offended at church uh, because of the church, and you said the church hurt me. Well, no, the church didn't hurt you. People might have hurt you, but the church didn't hurt you. The pastor, I get offended at something a pastor says or a pastor does. So then that defilement. I've had people that that I met them, and they got their guard up, and they got all these issues going on. I'm like, I didn't do anything. They're brand new. Just met them. Because it's, a, it's, it's amazing that people that are offended contaminate good minds. And you get to deal with their offenses. And you often become the target of the offense which you had nothing to do with. It wouldn't matter who you were. Offended people want somebody to blame. And their offense is often transferred to you. Offended people can cause others to become offended simply by their association, either intentionally or unintentionally, by transferring their offense to them. So now, innocent people are offended at things they never were offended at before, and they don't even know why they're offended. When before they met this offended person, life was great. Transferred defilement. But there is a law that I can learn and I can love where nothing can offend me anymore. David said that. Well, what is it? What is this law that can allow you to live in such a place where you will not be offended? You choose to not be offended. It's found in Leviticus chapter 19. Let me read a verse to you, verse 18. He said it this way in the Old Testament. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone of your people but love your neighbor as yourself would you say those final words with me love your neighbor as yourself Now, there's another message we probably ought to talk about, and it's the message of how to learn to love yourself. Because the reason a lot of people are offended and are not loving others, or at least they're not loving them correctly, is because we've never come to terms with how to love ourselves, how God made me, why God made me, the, the way God made me, and to learn not to, to excuse ourselves for bad behaviors, but to learn to love ourselves and to learn the, the way God made us and to appreciate that, which causes me to know how to love other people. So the book of Leviticus says, don't seek revenge or bear a grudge against anybody. Love your neighbors, you'll love yourself. And then Jesus comes along in the New Testament and asked the same thing. He said the same thing, Matthew 22. Jesus, which is the greatest commandment? That's what people were asking him. Which is, which is the most important of all 10 of the commandments? Which is the greatest? And here's what Jesus said. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as you love yourself. I must love God and I must love you like Jesus loves you. Where would I be but for the cross 
and the blood of Jesus. We just sang a song about it. Jesus gave himself away, completely selfless, completely others driven, completely here to serve, not to be served. That's the problem with a lot of people in our culture and our society in today's world. There's an entitlement that says, I deserve this and you should give this to me and, and then I've been mistreated and I get it that there's a lot of sin and there's a lot of brokenness and there's a lot of mistreatment that is taking place across the globe but the devil is using it for his benefit instead of the people of God realizing our goal to live is to live unoffended and the way you live unoffended is to love other people if the world could just fall in love with other people and quit fighting each other why is the world at war? Because of power and sin and domination and people wanting control. When if we really lived like Jesus lived and if we did like Jesus did, that's loving other people more than you love yourself. He said, great peace have they which love your law and nothing will offend them. Now let me explain the word offense in the Hebrew because it we need to understand from where this is coming from. The word offense has several Hebrew interpretations. And the first is the, the expression. Hebrew is written in characters. It's written right to left. I don't know Hebrew. I studied some of it, a little bit of Greek. It's hard to figure out. It's like learning Chinese, for example, or where there's characters. And the character is not just one word. It might be a phrase or an expression. So the Hebrew expression in this particular verse about nothing shall offend them or the word offense can mean the stick that baits the trap. Offense could be the stick that baits the trap. It's the enticement. Offense also means to stumble or fall over or to cause to fall. Offense also means to be trapped, to be blocked or kept out. So I got a little picture for you if they put it on the screen to give you an example. So, so what we have is a little stick that has a bait on it and it's holding up the corner of the box. You've seen this before. And if I nibble on the bait and I take it, then suddenly the trap falls on me and I'm caught. So offense is not the trap, it's the bait. It wasn't the offense that hurt me. It just made me get hurt. I fell down, but it wasn't the stumbling that hurt me. It was the falling. If I hadn't stumbled, I wouldn't have fallen. So if I hadn't gotten angry in the first place, I wouldn't be offended today. Satan knows that the greatest weapon against the church is offense. And if he can convince you that it's okay to have it and okay to keep it, you're going to miss out on all the work that God wants to do in your spirit. Offense is the trigger point of all spiritual maturity. I'm going to say that again. Offense is the trigger point of all spiritual maturity. We fall, we get hurt, somebody said something, something happened either recently or years ago and we become bitter and we get angry. If I could just realize that an offense can either be a catalyst for my success or the reason for my failure. It has the unique ability to do one or the other. If I can just learn this one law to love my neighbors, I love myself. 
Listen to what Isaiah says in, in chapter 8, verse 13. He says this, The Lord regard him as holy. Let him be your fear, and he shall be a sanctuary and a sacred asylum to those who fear and trust him. Notice this. But he shall be a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. We're talking about God. The prophet Isaiah says God will be a, what does he mean? He's talking about the prophetic word that Jesus is going to come. Jesus is going to come to the Jewish people and Isaiah is prophesying God's going to send someone but you're not going to want to receive him. He's going to come differently than you expect him to come. He's going to look and feel and sound and smell different than you think he should. It's going to be Jesus the Messiah but he's going to be a stumbling block for you and he's going to be a rock of offense for the people of Israel. They're going to miss him. And many among you, among them shall stumble thereon and shall fall and be broken. So who is this stumbling block and this rock of offense? It is God. Why? Why is it God? What do you mean? I'm offended because of God? Because offenses have one of two reasons. You can either stumble and be broken for God's use, or you can stumble and be hurt and carry an offense. You can either stumble and be broken for God's use or you can stumble and be hurt and carry an offense. Some of you are offended at God when all the time he's trying to break us so he can use us. Listen, I stand before you as an imperfect person and life can be painful and things happen in life that none of us can control. But if you wanna live free, and you want to let God grow you, then let the things that you're stumbling over and falling into because you've taken the bait and now you've become angry even at God and eternity in the church and is the truth really the truth and does God really love me because I got pain in my life and bad things happen to good people and all of that and you're offended by it. When are we going to grow up, thicken up and, and get stronger and realize life is not perfect? When Adam and Eve walked out of that garden were actually pushed out of that garden because of their sin and their wrong. God has worked since that day to restore the relationship he wants with you and he sent Jesus to pay the price for sin so that we can come boldly into the throne of grace. But listen, we like that part, but we still live in a fallen world. This world is broken. This world is messed up. But God is still good. And God is still God. And God is still the Redeemer. And God is still the Savior. And God is still the Healer. And God is still the Comforter. And God is still the Guide. And so when I hold on to him, I have hope. And because I have hope, I'm not going to let the devil steal my life being, being smitten with anger and disappointment and brokenness for no use. I'm going to let the brokenness be for his glory and say to God be the glory. He's going to take us home someday. And until he does, I'm going to give him my best. So it's really important to identify where the pain is coming from. Is it coming from man? Why are you letting other people control who and what you are? Well, my boss offended me, so I just told him a piece of my mind. Well, that fixed everything. 
<laughs> and then you're like, well, God, why am I unemployed? He said, if you'd have just kept your mouth shut and been big enough and t- thicken up a little bit, I can use, hey, <laughs> Whoa, what's the alert? God will use sinners to help saints be better. I don't know. Let me think of a better way to say that. Some of the people you think are not going to heaven may not, but God will still use them to help you. So you need to just open your eyes and stop being so conceited and so, you know, however you. Man, there's a lot of words running through my head right now. And stupid's one of them. You can't fix stupid. And some, some of us believers Well, it was that person. <laughs> no, God, hey, so let me, okay, thank you, Lord. Let me just bring it. <laughs> I'm gonna use the scripture verbiage. God used a jackass to speak to a man who was trying to do something in his own way, was mad. Well, a lot of words hit right there, too. <laughs> Stubborn. And God used this donkey to change his direction. And some of you are mad at God and you're mad and offended at people. And God's like, you're the one that's thick headed. He's like, how many times do I have to send a donkey your way? You just keep saying, man, this world's full of bad people. All these bad people come against me. And God's like, no, that's really not the issue. The issue is really you need to change. And I'm trying to change you. And you're ignoring it's me and getting offended. And I'm trying to use them to help you get straightened out. Now, none of that's in my notes, but that's kind of what comes out of the overflow of my heart. I'm trying to be really nice and not offend anybody in my message today. (laughs) So, it's important to identify where the pain's coming from. Is it from man? Why are you letting them control you? Is it from the devil? Is the pain coming from him? Because all he wants to do is trap you and catch you in a snare. It's very plain. John 10 Verse 10, the thief, the devil, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Okay, it's real simple. Is the pain coming from him? Or if it's not from man or it's not from the devil, is the pain from God? Well, I thought God made everything nice. Well, he does, but we're not nice, and we have to be fixed. And he wants us to learn that law to love my neighbor as I love myself no matter what. Wouldn't it be amazing? And wouldn't it be, it would just be special if we had churches, I'll start with ours, if we had a church where no one was offended at anything but we loved others as we love ourselves because we've learned to love ourselves right. And we realize that God is not trying to be the stumbling block to push us away, but he sent a savior named Jesus who was a Jewish man born of a virgin in a stable. He didn't come as a king. 
He didn't come as a young prince. He wasn't born to royalty. He didn't take and overthrow the Roman government by setting up this army. He didn't do that. And that's why Jesus himself became a stumbling block and a rock of offense to his own people. And they crucified him. Because they were offended. Sometimes we're looking for our answers in the wrong places. And life would be much more simple if we loved our neighbor as we love ourselves. I want to end with a story that stood out to me in the book of Matthew. Matthew 5 records Jesus teaching the Beatitudes. And there's a list of them. And you could study that. But if you keep reading past Matthew 5, later in chapter 11 of Matthew, John is in prison. And he's in prison for preaching the good news. It was John who preached Here comes the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He was preaching repentance and Jesus shows up and he turns all of his followers to Jesus and says, there he is. And he hears about Jesus' ministry. This is a couple of years now and Jesus is teaching and John from prison sends his followers to ask Jesus, are you the one that was sent So so what I just shared with you about Jesus being the Jew that came and he was a stumbling block and a rock of offense to his people, even John had a hint of a question. John is the first cousin of Jesus. He knew him as a boy, but now John's in prison for preaching the gospel and he's asking Jesus one more time. He can't go himself, so he sends his followers and he says, are you really it? Are you the one that was sent or do we need to look for somebody else? And here's what Jesus said. He told John's disciples, he said, you go back to John and you tell him the things that you hear and the things that you see. You tell him that the blind see and the lame walk and the lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And then he says this, and blessed is he who is not offended in me. So he gives another beatitude six chapters later that we don't often attach to the list of beatitudes. And he's talking about John. And he says, blessed is he who's not offended in me. Why? Why did he say that? John's in prison and Jesus is out here free. Now Jesus' day is coming and it's gonna take him to a cross. But at that moment, John didn't know that. And after John's disciples walked away, listen to this. After those disciples that John had sent left to go back to John to tell him the blind see, the deaf hear, and so on, Jesus waits till they get out of hearing distance and then he turns back to the crowd and he begins to talk about the greatness of John. 
And he said, what did you come out here to see? A reed shaken in the wind? What'd you? He starts describing this amazing, powerful man who preached repentance, whose name was John. And then in verse 11, Jesus says, and I tell you that there's not one man that's ever been born to a woman that's greater than John the Baptist. I mean, Jesus just extols onto John the Baptist this accolades of who he was and who he is. But here's the point. John never heard Jesus say that. He didn't hear it. He was still sitting in a prison cell because of preaching about Jesus. Could he have been offended? Jesus said, blessed is he who's not offended in me. John, you did your job, but keep your head high. I wonder how many times good things are happening around us, but we miss it because of our circumstance. And we get offended when all the time it's working for our good, but we miss it. It's okay. There have been times I said, Jesus, <laughs> I'm not sure this is what you had all this planned. Am I missing anything? You ever been there? Ah, man, I'm not sure. I could tell you stories. I could, I could start naming things over the last few years. How about the last few weeks? So, so we had a few days off after my father's passing, and we go out of town, and then Janet gets, has to go to the ER, and we're five days in the hospital and in another state, and, and you're like, man, it messed up my whole trip. Could I be offended and ticked off? I'm not saying this for pity. I'm just putting this in perspective. You know, we walk away from church, and we think everything's supposed to be perfect. And, and God all the time is working things for your good, and we're over here offended. At, like, well, man, why is this happening to me? And what all is going on? And what? I mean, I'm just ticked off. And God, I'm offended. And God's like, I'm trying to show you something. And through it all, Janet sits in that hospital bed, and nurse after nurse after nurse after nurse, she talks about the goodness of God. She tells them how God has spared her life for 25 years. She praises them for their good work and what they're doing to help people. And, and I'm like, See, we wouldn't have had that opportunity. So you got to turn things around. You got to. You you can either be offended by it, or you can use it for good and make glory glory to God for it. Okay. So so I passed that to Janet. She was she's better than me. I sat over there kind of quiet in the corner. Because I was like, man, we're supposed to be having a good time. And, but blessed is he who's not offended in me. So to be blessed is to not be offended. And to not be offended is a choice. Great peace have they which love your law. And nothing shall offend them. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your might, and love your neighbor as yourself. So no offense, right? I'm going to choose not to live offended. And the moment we see that coming up in our spirit, you need to recognize, hey, God's got something good on the other side of this. I want you to bow your heads with me all across the room and ask a couple of questions. The first prayer I want to pray is for those of you who there's something you need to let go of today. You have carried it and you have carried it for the last time.
You've been offended, some of you, for years, years. Why not lay it down today? Why not choose to step on top of whatever you've been carrying and weighted under? Step on top of that and say, Jesus, I'm giving it to you. I'm not going to live offended. I'm going to live with purpose. And whatever's come against me is only for my good. And if evil men have risen up against me, the Lord will fight my battle and the Lord will take that away. But God, if you're using and want to use a circumstance or even a bad decision I've made, you want to use it to make me better? Don't become my rock of offense, but become my stepping stone to victory. And so I trust you right now. If that's you, every head bowed, just for a moment, I want you to lift your hand and say, Pastor, I'm laying it down today. Today is the last day. I'm not going to live offended. I'm not going to carry this around. I'm going to build on top of this. Thank you so much. Hold it up. Just it's a, it's a step. It's a decision, a conscious decision. I'm raising my hand because I want to say I'm done. I'm done with it. I turn it to God. I'm going to live unoffended. I'm going to live in the peace of God. Come on, church. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every person right now who is casting our cares at your feet. I choose not to live offended anymore. Nothing can offend me. Nothing shall offend me because I have great peace because I know and I love your law to love others as I love myself. So Father, I pray for that right now. Give us that love that Jesus has for others. You say it can't be done, but you said it could be done. You said for us to love our neighbor as we love ourselves and to love as you love. I declare that and I declare peace right now and freedom right now in the name of Jesus over everyone that's coming before you, casting that care and that concern at your feet and we, we're not gonna pick it up again. And Father, I pray for every person that needs to know you as Lord and Savior today. And if that's you, I want to pray a prayer with you with your heads bowed still just for a moment. And if you're watching somewhere, I want you to know I'm praying with you today. If you don't know Jesus in this room or wherever you're seeing this from, I want to introduce you and I want to bring you to Jesus today. And it's a simple prayer that we pray together. I'll lead it. You can repeat it after me. And it's just a confession of our mouth and a belief in our heart that Jesus died on the cross for my sin. And then he rose again on the third day, victorious over death and sin and hell. And the Bible says, if you'll confess Jesus, you are my Lord and you're my savior, you can be saved. Can I pray with you right now? Heads bowed just for a moment more. Would you lift your hand and say, that's me, pastor. I want to make sure I'm ready to know Jesus. I want to make sure I'm ready to go to heaven. I want to pray that prayer. I want to meet him today. Would you slip up your hand right where you are? Thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Just lift that hand. Thank you. Right there where you're watching from, someone can pray with you. You can click right there online. Thank you so much. Anyone else? Just a moment more. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you. God bless you. Hands are being raised. Thank you for that. You can put your hands down now. I want us all to look up here together and let's pray it all in unison. Repeat after me. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Take away my past. I receive you as Lord and leader of my life from this day forward. And I'll do my best to honor you 
and serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just made a decision to invite God into your life, we would love to know. If you could text us at SCSAVE to 97000, we would love to help equip you with some next steps for you to take along this journey. This message was a blessing to your life and you'd like to help support Skybreak financially, you can give online using Skybreak Church app or skybreakchurch.com. We'd love for you to join us in person next Sunday right here at 9.15. Until then, we hope you have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.